Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Hey YA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to updates on the latest and on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is a bi-weekly podcast here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We're recording on Thursday, June 21st, 2018. Hello, Eric. Hello. How is it going? Oh my goodness. We have so much going on right now. Like, oh, I, I, I can't believe this. Aren't we both hopping on, like, a plane tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're both going down to New Orleans to attend the um, American Library Association annual conference. Um, I'll be there in my author capacity. And, um, yeah, it's like a whirlwind trip. I leave tomorrow, Friday, and then I come back Sunday morning Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm, like, tired thinking about it. Like, we're not even there. And I'm just thinking about it and I'm already exhausted. Uh, Yeah, I'll be there too, doing my author thing and also being on a panel with one of my authors in my agent life because my life is a conflict of interest. Yes, it's going to be great. (laughs) It's funny because I I am doing like I'm doing a meeting down there um, in there. They have like a networking uncommon, so just like a hangout sort of spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm doing something in my book riot capacity there. I'm like, well, if I'm down here as an author, I might as well take advantage of also being down here as, you know, a book writer. Yeah, no, might as well, might as well. (laughs) I like when I go to these sort of conferences as like an author and I'll stop by like a publishing booth or something and I'll be like, Mm -hmm. hey, is an editor here by any chance? And everyone will look and they'll see like author on my badge and be like, oh, no, no editors are here. And I have to be like, oh, no, I'm actually a literary agent. And it gets really weird really fast. <laughs> so I think I'm going to bring like a little slip of paper to like stick in there and just like cover mm-hmm. up author and make it say agent. Um, you know, maybe make it as poorly scrawled on there as possible to make it look <laughs> shady. <laughs> It'll be great. Oh, my God. I'm going to track you down and we are going to take a picture of that. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, so. we should we should we should get a picture of us with our badges that say author and use that as like promotional stuff for the podcast because that would confuse <gasps> yeah. everybody, right? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what have you been reading lately? Oh goodness, so not that much really. I, I've um, I've been sort of buried in in reading adult books, which as I know is a. I, I'm so sorry. I know. I know. I started I'm reading. Kidding. Uh, this book called Number One Chinese Restaurant by mm-hmm. Lillian Lee, and it's just 
a delightful family drama that takes place uh, in a Chinese restaurant. It's really fun. Um, but for ALA, I have packed my copy of uh, Adam Silver and Becky Albertalli's What If It's Us. I got it in my bag. I uh, haven't gotten a chance to dig in yet, but I, I just can't wait because I love both of them so much. Uh, and I'm really excited to see what, you know, a combination of two people I adore, uh, you know, what, what happens with this, with this lovely book. What about, uh, what about you? What are you, what are you on? So uh, last week, I took a long weekend and went out to the beach in Michigan, uh, like on the other side of the state from you, and Mm -hmm. decided that I would use it to sort of get some writing done and also to just read. Like, um, So I packed a bunch of books, and I got through a few. A number of them were adult books, but I did read the YA book, uh, Jack of Hearts and Other Parts by Elsie Rosen, which comes out in October. And I talked about it a little bit. couple episodes ago with our summer TBR list. And oh man, it was even better than I anticipated. It's a, it's a book about a gay high school student who really loves sex. And he's convinced by his friend to write a sex advice column for her blog. And along the way, I mean, this is a very frank and open uh, sex positive book. It's very, very cool. Um, just there's no like there's no shying away from anything uh, in a way that I think think is really necessary and that we haven't seen in YA and we certainly haven't seen in uh, queer YA. So that's one aspect of the story. The other part is that there's somebody who doesn't like that he's writing this column. So this person is sort of trying to get him to stop and also trying to just like make his life more difficult than it needs to be. And uh, yeah, it's it's a really smart book, and it's a book that I think is going to make a lot of readers really uncomfortable, but in a way that I think is really necessary <laughs> for people to feel. Um, yeah. So that was that was a really great read that I I blew through most of it before I left, and then when I got home, I was like, I have to finish it before I do anything else, um, and I don't regret that at all. Oh <laughs> and man, then, uh, awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, and then I started reading All That I Can Fix by Crystal Chan, which came out a couple weeks ago. And it starts with a bad storm in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, a backyard zoo that's found all of its animals on the loose. And then uh, the utter chaos in Ronnie's life as he deals with a dad who struggles with mental illness. Um, the voice in it is fantastic. And I'm really excited to see where it goes because um, it, it's funny, but also you know that there's a really dark layer in that humor mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so I plan on taking that with me to ALA, and it got me thinking, how do you read when you travel? Do you read when you travel? Like, Because <laughs> I find sometimes I, I have these great ideas of, oh, you know, when I'm in the hotel room, I'll have plenty of time. Because really, as an um, when you're at a convention as an author, you know, you have just a few hours of obligations that you have to mm-hmm. fulfill. Um, so you have a bit of time in your room if you aren't out socializing all the time. Um, which, you know, I, after I do an event, I am like, <laughs> I'm done. Uh, I need to go back <laughs> to my room. <laughs> and uh, so I always have these grand, grand plans that I'm going to read a lot. But I get to the room and it's like uh, HGTV has a House Hunters marathon on mm. and – I don't have cable at home, and somehow this sucks me in, like, hours and hours and hours and hours, and I don't really get the reading done that I plan to get done. So yeah. uh, 
Is this is this common? Is this just me, or do you oh, have no. like, same strategy? <laughs> same thing happens to me. You know, I feel like I pack up a whole bunch of books, or like I load up my iPad with like manuscripts for work, and I tell myself, "Oh my god, I'm going to get so much done." And then I take a nap or a rerun of some nonsense is on the hotel TV because, oh, my God, I have a giant bed and there's a TV in my room. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch whatever's on. Like, you know, for you, it's the house hunters. For me, it's tiny house hunters. And then, oh, my God, oh, yeah. I need to oh, watch this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. Look at this person complaining that things are too small inside a <laughs> tiny house. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't get enough. Um, oh, I can't either. I'm, I'm right there with you. And then I really hate flying, you know, and I, and I, I sometimes tell myself I'm going to read or do an audiobook on the flight, but then I just pass out from the stress of flying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll wake up and I've landed. So it kind of takes care of that. Um, but sometimes, you know, if it's during like a meal at a conference or, you know, there's downtime in between like a panel or something, you know, I'll sit in the hotel lobby and read because um, it'll relax me. You know, it'll, it'll get me mm-hmm. away from dealing with too many people at the same time, you know, cause I'm, I'm sociable, but you know, events takes out, takes so yeah. much out of you. Even if you don't, even if you're not doing anything, even if you're just like walking around, like meeting people, mm-hmm. uh, it can be exhausting. I like the idea of doing it in like a hotel lobby or somewhere that's not your room, which is really like inviting to do anything but reading. And also mm-hmm. like still lets you sort of have a way to socialize if you want to. You know, yeah. like if somebody walks by in the hotel room that you want to talk to, you can or not. You've got your book. Um, mm-hmm. So and, you know, at a conference like ALA, like reading is normal. So nobody would think twice about, you know, oh, he's reading. He doesn't want to bother. Me. Exactly. Um, so oh, I like that idea a lot. I might have to try that. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Then you won't get sucked into those house hunter and tiny house hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any YA novels about tiny houses? I would totally read. A YA contemporary about like a teen living in one, or maybe a teen is making one in their backyard. You know, like here's what I want. I want a because um, this is always my question. Uh, what happens like if you are a teen who grows up in a tiny house, or uh, is a teen living in a tiny house, and what happens if your parents are having sex? What happens if you want to have sex? Like, how is that logistically possible? <laughs> I don't think it is. I don't, I, yeah. That sounds Which is, sounds like, there's a whole novel there. I mean, there is a novel there, you know? Like, how embarrassing to be that teenager who's like, uh, sorry you can't come over, but this is the time that my parents get alone Yeah. in the tiny house. <laughs> or, like, sorry you can't come over and we can't make out and, you know, do stuff because, well, my parents' bedroom is, you know, right there, so there's no privacy at all. And also yeah. our toilet compost, so that's pretty unsexy, you know? Practical, <laughs> but unsexy. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I'm going to have to tweet that on my, my manuscript wish list as an agent later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who knew that we could juice so much out of talking about tiny houses? Yeah. Oh, should we uh, segue into our first real topic? Yes, let's go. All right. Before we do that, let's talk about our first sponsor, which is Legendary by Stephanie Garber. After being swept up in the magical world of Caraval, Donatella Dragna has finally escaped her father and saved her sister Scarlet from, from a disastrous arranged marriage. The girls should be celebrating, but Tella isn't yet free. She made a desperate bargain with a mysterious criminal, and time to repay the debt has come. It all began with Caravelle, the breakout New York Times bestseller that critics called spellbinding, wondrous, imaginative, and now the wait is over. Stephanie Garber's sequel to Caravelle, Legendary, is on sale now. 
The stakes are higher and the games have just begun. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been really looking forward to that sequel. Um, I haven't read the first one, so I, I can't. Uh, I can't say anything about it. I wish I could. Oh, but. it's fun. I think you'd like it. Yeah. And is it is it just a duology or is it going to be a trilogy? Do you know? No, I think there's... Oh, geez. Why do I feel like there's like four books? That can't be maybe right. There I don't are. Know. Maybe there are. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Speaking of books that are out this year. Yes. Excellent transition. Uh, <laughs> so one thing we want to talk about today is, um, you know, right now it's it's that sort of magical time of year where people are making their um, like best of the year so far uh, books. Uh, they're 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 lists and everything on different websites. And while these lists are great and they generate lots of buzz, uh, like titles I hit back in January that maybe you didn't hear about, um, I feel like they always leave out the underdog books you know um chances are these you're gonna see the same books on every single list and every single list at the end of the year as well um so we want to talk a little bit about books that should be on these lists but might not be um books we haven't seen uh on the list this year yet uh first up is the hunger games no one is talking (laughs) about this book this year no i'm just kidding um so yeah what uh what books do you think should be on best of the year so far list but you quite you haven't seen uh, yes. So, so the first one that I thought of immediately was uh, "Anger Is a Gift" by Marcus Shiro, which came out mid or late May. So, mm-hmm. you know, sort of in that frame where people are writing their lists. So, um, it's possible we'll see it pop up more later, and I sure hope that we do. But uh, it's a book that readers who love "The Hate You Give" or "How It Went Down" or "All American Boys" should pick up if they haven't already. Um, it follows a sophomore in high school named Moss as he deals with grief from the death of his father who was shot by Oakland police. And uh, over the course of the school year, he and his classmates have realized that they're being treated like criminals within their own high school. Um, There's been increased police presence. There's been drug searches, locker searches, and a lot of roughness given toward the students for no real reason at all. And so... Mm. Uh, Moss and his classmates decide that they're going to rise against this, that they're going to um, take action and and see if they can get this treatment to stop because it's not fair to them. Um, And there's no reason for them to be treated like criminals within their high school. Like they're not anything but high school teenagers. Um, So it takes on issues of fear and anger, police brutality, racism, and um, the Oakland setting is – Something new, I think, in YA. I haven't seen it a whole lot. And I feel like it really um, emphasizes a lot of things about urban life that we don't necessarily see when we get those, like, romantic New York City stories. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is Anger is a Gift by Marco Shiro. And if you haven't read it, pick it up. It's a little bit – it's a bigger book, but it uh, is written so well that you fly through it in no time. And this is one of those books that, like – Oh my goodness, everyone was just like yelling at me for not reading it yet, uh, like a couple months ago, because I had gotten like an arc really early. And I was like, oh, I'll get to it, I'll get to it, oh, I'll get to it. And just, I felt like I was like losing friends. I had to read it as soon as possible. Did you read it? Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. Okay, good. Oh my goodness. I was going to say, I was going to be one of the yellers. If you oh no. <laughs> What's up uh, on your list first? Let's see. First up um, is A Conspiracy of Stars by Livy A. Cole. It's the book I'm going to be screaming about all year long. Um, I'm actually bringing this book with me on my trip this weekend to ALA to reread because um, I think it's just such a perfect study in like 
awesome world building. Um, it's perfect. You know, I question if is Olivia Cole from the future? Is this her describing a documentary she saw on future <laughs> Netflix? I have questions. Um, so yeah, it's it's the story of a teenager uh, living on a faraway planet with her parents who study all the natural life on said planet. Um, but there are tensions rising between her people and the indigenous people on that planet. That kind of make her question uh, her place there and how the government is handling things and and dealing with the natives. Um, so it's a YA sci-fi novel um, that's not just about uh, the you know space wars and lasers and all that stuff. It's about mm-hmm. nature and family and colonialism. Um, and there's just so many just powerful like relevant themes that you can connect to right now. Um, being tackled in a book that has to do with the future, uh, which makes it all the more powerful. Um, yeah, definitely check it out. The sequel, I think, comes out either next year or the year after. I, I don't quite remember the name of it, but um, yeah, it's a book I feel like a lot of people slept on. I don't think I would have heard of it if it wasn't for uh, Justina Ireland uh, talking about it as much as she was. Uh, and this book came out back in January. So yeah, check it out. It's a really interesting space uh, maybe maybe you can call it like a quiet space opera. That might be a good mm-hmm. way to describe it. Um, and that's uh, A Conspiracy of Stars by Olivia A. Cole. I need to read that. After hearing you describe it, it sounds like something totally up my alley. Um, <laughs> my next pick, I'm like looking through my list. Like, what, what do I talk about? Uh, let's, let's go here since this is timely and relevant. Uh, my next pick is called Americanized Rebel Without a Green Card by Sarah Sadie. It's a YA nonfiction book that came out in February, I believe. Uh, and it, it's a memoir. It's Sadie's memoir about growing up and learning how to navigate the path to being an American citizen when she finds out that uh, she doesn't have a green card. And so there are a lot of complications for her to be like a normal teenage girl. And um, it's a story about the reasons her family came to America. It's about how strong the ties are in her Iranian family as well as her Iranian American family now. Um, And it's really about family love and bonding. It's funny and also super um, realistic in the way it is for immigrants to sort of find a way through the American immigration system. Um, It's, it's one of those, those books that you read and you just see the story playing out again and again and again. You see it in the news. You see it on social media. You see it everywhere. And um, I just I really appreciated how how it was told, how it was written, um, and just how it gives voice to the sorts of people that we so rarely hear voices from. Um, and that is Americanized Rebel Without a Green Card by Sarah Sadie. That sounds awesome. I like this upswing we're seeing in YA like memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting. I want I want to see more. Uh, let's see. For me, um, let me look through. Uh, okay, uh, Ship It uh, by Britta London. Um, so I feel like this might be like my favorite YA fandom book ever written. Um, and this, you know, I love Comic Con. I love all things geekery. So that is that is saying quite a bit. Um, <laughs> in it, we meet a teen girl who's obsessed with a popular, um, I guess, like Buffy esque level of fandom. TV show called Demon Heart. Uh, she heads to Comic-Con, um, you know, as one does. Uh, and there she's on a panel, one of the actors on that show. Uh, and the actor brushes off the idea that his character on the show is, in fact, gay, which destroys our main character because her her super popular fan 
fiction um, is all about that fact. She, she's written this fan fiction about um, him being in love with the, uh, I think it's the antagonist in the show. Um, so instead of the story just ending there uh, or solely being about these two battling one another, uh, it explodes because a video of the panel and the question go viral on the internet. So... Uh, mm. It's uh, it's intense <laughs> and it's really funny and there's all sorts of really fun relationships and, and complicated intertwining stories going on and I'm not sure why more people aren't talking about this. Um, not only is it heartwarming and just super funny, um, but the art on the book is mind blowing. Kelly, I will I will send you a picture later. Uh, when oh, you I've take seen the, it. It's awesome. You mean like yeah. the, the the cover art? Yeah, so you, you can yeah. like take the jacket off, and underneath there's all these beautiful illustrations. Um, like you want to take it down off your shelf and show people. Uh, and that's uh, yeah, that is "Ship It" by Britta London, who actually is a writer for Riverdale. So yes, oh my goodness, buy this book. Uh, <laughs> they are they are incredible. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing the the cover and seeing that, and just thinking that was so cool. It's one of those books we've talked about before that you want like a physical copy on your shelf. Um, yes, you know, even yes. if you're if you're an e-reader, it's one of those books that's just like as a physical object is very cool to look at. My next one is let's go with Mary's Monster: Love, Madness, and How Mary Shelley Created Frankenstein by Lita Judge. So a few episodes ago when we talked about Frankenstein and YA, I had mentioned this book just like offhanded as one that I had come across and hadn't read. And a listener whose name is escaping me, so apologies, uh, emailed and was like, you have to bump it up your to-read list. And if somebody's coming, you know, to their email to actually send me that message, like, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> and I'm really glad I did. It's, uh, it's a nonfiction biography in verse with illustrations which I don't know how frequently I've seen that before. Um, it's got a lot of like cool elements playing around with form and formats. And uh, it goes into the real story behind Mary Shelley's classic Frankenstein. And I think, I think it's fairly common that we've heard the story behind the story. You know, it was a bet and, um, you know, so she just like she came up with this brilliant story for the bat, blah 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 blah, which isn't really true. Uh, it's a bit of an exaggeration of what really happened. And Judge in the book sort of digs into how that myth of her creation takes away from like the true genius and the true amount of work that went into her crafting this story and how much effort went into it. And um, she. <laughs> She's not afraid to sort of uh, paint Mary Shelley's family life as anything but rosy, uh, both, you know, her parents, that side of her family, and as well as when she gets married. And, uh, you know, Mary is one of those famous romantic poets who was kind of a jerk. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that was it was a really fascinating book, both in terms of like what it covered about Shelley's life, but also just how it presented it and uh just very, very cool study in like the different elements you can use to tell a person's life story and make it a biography, make it nonfiction, and yet also do it in verse and have these illustrations in there. And uh, it was very cool. And when I finished, I wanted to read more about Mary Shelley because I realized how little I actually knew about her. Um, I knew Frankenstein, but very little about the creator behind it. And that's Mary's Monster, Love Madness, and How Mary Shelley Created Frankenstein by Lita Judge. That is awesome. And on a total aside, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm up late with the baby fairly often and I'll go on iTunes and I'll look for like the 99 cent movie rentals. 
Uh, and one of the movie rentals is a movie called I Frankenstein with Aaron <laughs> Eckhart playing Frankenstein's monster uh, now. And he's like 300 years old and at war with like gargoyles and angels and all this stuff. <laughs> and it, it is it is garbage. It is terrible. Um <laughs> But there are so many moments where, like, the bad guys are like, get me Frankenstein. And I so badly wanted someone to, like, pop out of the screen off the side and be like, actually, Frankenstein isn't the name of the monster. But it never happened. <laughs> Very upset. So, otherwise, uh, you know, if, if I were someone that left movie reviews, that that is what I would leave on uh, <laughs> on Amazon or something. <laughs> Let's see. Uh what do I have next? Oh, okay. So I have a, I have another one up next. Um, and it's a super weird book, but weird in a good way, not weird in a bad way, like Aaron Eckhart playing Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Your Robot Dog Will Die by Aaron Greenwood. Um, so yeah, it's a super weird book. You know that, that Wes Anderson movie, that Isle of Dogs that came mm-hmm, out like mm-hmm. fairly recently? Um, so it feels a bit like that, which is kind of weird. I guess maybe... That idea was kind of floating in the air. Um, it takes place in a world where dogs are gone, uh, and robot dogs are the hot new thing. Um, dogs became these like super intelligent creatures um, and were euthanized, and some were banned to an island off the coast of Florida. Um, so you know they got too smart. Humanity kills the dogs, which is sounds like a total nightmare to me. Um, but then a teen girl living on this island finds a puppy, uh, one who is wagging its tail and acting seemingly normal. Uh, so it's all about this teen girl uh, fighting to save her puppy. Uh, and I love it. It's so weird. And there's robotic dogs and like weird mad scientists. And it's just, <laughs> it's a really remarkable book. Um, I think the, I think uh, Soho put it out and, you know, they do tend to do some uh, risky uh, quirky YA. So uh, that's Your Robot Dog Will Die um, by Aaron Greenwood. Uh, yeah. Really weird book. Really, really fun. But it's funny as you describe it, like every single word of that was like such an Eric book. <laughs> it is. It is it is totally a me book. <laughs> uh so my next one, I'm gonna ask if you've read it yet, uh, is Devil's Unto Dust by Emma Burquist. Have you read it yet? Uh I started it. It's very big. <laughs> it's it's it taking me a while to get through. But yeah, uh, it, it is you, very you big. were very right recommending that I read it because it is very oh man, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the pitch of the book is 28 Days Later meets True Grit. So obviously it's zombies plus a plague and then add to that a dad who's on the lamb and one awesome teen female and one awesome Wild West Texas setting. And oh man, it was like the recipe for everything I love in a book that's, you wouldn't expect me to like, I guess. Um, it just was like the perfect combination of things that interest me that didn't seem like they would go together, but they did. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a standalone. I love, love, love the main character who is just awesome. Uh, there's not a romance. I mean, there, there's a, a little, you know, could be, but there's not. It's not the focus. The focus is like getting dad back and getting dad to pay his debts. Um, and it's a, it is a big read, as you had said. But I found it to be super quick. Like as soon as I started it, that's all I wanted to do is just blow through it. And uh, the book was optioned for a movie before it even released. And for me, like I could tell, uh, it's very cinematic mm-hmm. and very like 
it would translate very well on the big screen. And uh, there was something else I was going to say about it, and then I totally lost it. Oh, I remember. So I'd recommended it as a book that I really liked to a friend, and she checked it out from the library. And a couple weeks later, she leaves me a Facebook message, and she goes, you didn't tell me it would be scary. And I said, <laughs> it's a zombie novel. <laughs> it's kind of, you know... <laughs> standard zombie novel plus plague like it's going to be pretty scary so uh for readers who don't like their things with any sort of like scary stuff i wouldn't say it's super gratuitous but i mean it is at the same time uh Mm -hmm. maybe it's not one to pick up but for readers who like that or or can tolerate it in in small doses uh devils and two dust by emma burquist would be worth picking up awesome i think i have yeah i got two more here um so uh, yeah, I talk about her all the time, but she's one of my favorite authors. It's Lauren Gabaldi's uh, This Tiny Perfect World. Um, not a lot of people are shouting about it, and the plot structure is so unique and clever uh, because as the story moves along, uh, the, the the story of the, the main character and the, the people around her uh, parallel. What's the word? Um, I don't know. It's like, it like reflects what happens in the Glass Menagerie oh, really well. Yeah. Yeah, which happens to be the play the characters are putting on. So there's just all these really neat layers there that I really like. Um, It's a story of a teen girl that wants to just stay in her small town of Christmas, Florida. Um, We meet a girl named Penny and her struggle between this uh, small town life she's thought she's always wanted and now these big city dreams that are starting to kind of creep into her head. Um, She runs a small cafe with her dad, which was her mother's dream before uh, her mom passed away. Um, And she likes being in small theater productions and being with the boys she's loved since she can remember. Uh, But then she wins this scholarship to a theater camp and this big deal uh, teen actor shows up Uh, And he opens her mind to the idea of something more, uh, living in a big city and maybe having a new boyfriend. Uh, So there's, you know, there's a love triangle. There's a girl who can't stop thinking whether or not she wants something more than what she currently has. Uh, And there's a story that parallels a a play in a really, really clever way. Uh, So, yeah, pick it up if you're really into uh, books that get very meta. Um, And that is This Tiny Perfect World by Lauren Gabaldi. So my next one is, I'll, I'll end with a different one, but I'll, I'll go to this one since I know you have one more left. Um, so the one I will talk about is The Disturbed Girls Dictionary by, by Nonika Ramos. Uh, it's This one for me is all about the style and the setup and the voice. So it's written like it's a personal dictionary. It's the uh, journal of a girl named Macy who's been classified as quote-unquote disturbed. Um, But it's really a story about her coming to terms with grief and the unstable family that she's been living in. Sort of the trauma that she carries with her from her own childhood and the trauma she experiences as she sees her brother going through the foster care system. Um, And she is really worried both about her brother and about her best friend who seems to be pulling away from her in a lot of ways. And she's trying to figure out like what she can do to maintain that relationship. But as readers, we sort of see that maybe Macy doesn't have the capacity to um, recognize that other people have similar problems to her or problems that also can cause them to need to like step back and step away and um, navigate relationships a little bit different through, you know, more, more challenging times. And it's just a really interesting look at relationships. And it's, for me, this one was about the voice, about uh, how raw it is. And it really reminded me of Tiffany D. Jackson's books. And I think readers who have loved those either or both of her books, um, Monday's Not Coming or, um, 
Oh my goodness, I just forgot the name of the first one. It's one word. <laughs> Allegedly. With an I. Allegedly. Um, yes. <laughs> if readers like either or both of those, uh, you would want to pick up the Disturbed Girls Dictionary. Awesome. And let's see, what is my last one is Heart of Iron by Ashley Poston. Uh, it's Anastasia in space. It's a space opera with a robot who just wants to love. Oh my goodness, I love this book so much. Um, we meet a teen girl who's been saved by a roving band of space pirates and her sentient android uh, best friend. Um, and she's on a quest to save this robot best friend. Um, there's a problem, he keeps glitching out. Um, he's part of a... Uh, what, what is the word? So he's part of this group of robots known as Metals who have been um, basically like hunted by humanity uh, for rising up against them. Uh, so he's one of the last of his kind, um, and she's out to, to save him from these, these errors he seems to be having, even though uh, being out in the public with him uh, can be very dangerous. Um, it's a little bit like there's a graphic novel called Alex and Ada um, where like a boy falls in love with his, his robot um, – like assistant, uh, I guess, and it's very like very quiet, and there's some fun, um, there's fun bits and pieces of mystery with a, a virtual world in there. But this one is more along the lines of like the sci-fi thrills you get in a book like Cinder. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a sequel coming out, um, though I'd love a companion novel that's just from the perspective <laughs> of her robot. Uh, her robot BFF, who's also her love interest. Mm. And, hey, maybe we should talk about companion novels and look at this amazing <laughs> transition. <laughs> I was going to give a shout-out to one more title, uh, just a quick yes, shout-out before we transition. So I don't mean to ruin your beautiful transition, because that was really good. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to put a shout-out for the Speak graphic novel by Lori Hall Sanderson and illustrated by Emily Carroll and uh, talk about how great it was. I don't feel like enough people were talking about just how well this classic YA novel translated into the graphic format and how well they were able to make it contemporary to today's teens. I think that the original totally is, that the, it, it's timeless. But uh, they managed to incorporate some of the new technology that our teens have now into the graphic novel and not make it feel like it's too contemporary, like, it's not going to be dated, but the artwork works spectacularly with the the novel itself, and they just play off each other very nicely. And I hope more people take the time to pick it up, whether they have read the original book or not. And, you know, it's not going to hurt to revisit the story as it celebrates its, believe it or not, 20th anniversary next year. And that's, wow. uh, yeah, that speak the graphic novel. Yeah, and you know the great thing about those graphic novel adaptations is that it, it it'll get people that aren't super into you know just reading a traditional book to uh, get that intense story. So that's that's great. Yep. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about books we wish we could see companion novels for in a minute. But first, uh, let me talk about our next sponsor. So our second sponsor uh, is Blood Will Out uh, by Joe Tregieri. Um, are you looking for a good scare this summer? Obsessed with serial killers like Ted Bundy and the Golden State Killer? Uh, then make Bloodwell out your next read. Uh, Ari Sullivan wakes up in a cistern with no memory of how she got there. As pieces to, as she pieces together the events of the past few days trying to puzzle out her attacker, a killer is on the way back. Told in alternating perspectives of Ari and the killer. Ooh. Blood, yeah. 
Blood Will Out is an edge-of-your-seat whodunit for readers who like their thrillers bloody. Think Silence of the Lambs, but for teens. Oh, man, this just, like, this had all the words I like in it. Yeah, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to have to read that. I love that. It's from the teen character and the killer. Like, how... mm. We don't get a whole lot of stories told from the villain's point of view in YA and... Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Uh, do you want to... to pile. What's that? As I add that to my to-be-read pile yeah. right now. Exactly same. Uh, do you want to start this companion talk? Sure. So, you know, we were... <laughs> Kelly and I were uh, discussing our dream companion novels. Um, right now, I feel like we're pretty lucky. We've gotten... Uh, companion novels this year for uh, Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda with Leah on the offbeat. We got a companion novel for uh, Dumplin' with uh, Puddin. Uh, and I can't help but think, you know, what other books out there uh, could do really well uh, with a companion novel? Um, or at least do we wish uh, had a companion novel? Because, you know, some of these books are a little older, probably might not get a companion novel, but I like to dream. Um... I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you think about companion novels, Kelly? Uh, I think they're kind of cool. I was thinking, so like I'd written down this note about something I was going to mention, and I might still mention it, but uh, I started thinking about the Babysitter's Club and how I read those uh, so much as a, as a young reader. But they had a companion series, the Little Sister books. So they were Christie's little sister, little uh, stepsister. Uh, telling her story. And I remember growing up, like having both perspectives was really cool. Uh, as I got older, I found the little sister to be fairly annoying, but um, you know, like <laughs> it was cool to have that perspective of both and um, not having them be sequels, but rather like set in the same world with familiar characters. And it gives you a whole other uh, view into the story that you like. And I just, I, I think they're a really cool way to, give somebody a story without it having to be a sequel. You know, like I, I I wrote down here that there's this other like take on the, the sort of companion that I think is fascinating. So Blake Nelson wrote girl, which is a nineties cult novel, I guess you could call it. And it had a couple of sequels that came out uh, down the road, but he wrote a book last year called boy, which took on a very similar style to girl but isn't a sequel or necessarily a companion but you know that it's like mirrored in the same style and same voice and same sort of um worldview and I thought that that was a really cool way to sort of mix up the idea of you know sequel versus companion and uh so it just it got me thinking too a bit when I was thinking about like what I would like to see in a companion novel or um how I'd like to see it taken on do you want do you want to uh, throw out your first pick Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, So I just mentioned uh, how we were lucky enough to get Leah on the offbeat as a companion novel to Simon vs. Homo Sapiens Agenda. And, you know, my wife and I recently watched uh, the Love, Simon movie, which is a total delight, so much so that she watched it again with her cousin when she came over to do her hair. Uh, We all laughed and cried, um, same as the first time. Um, but while we were watching it, I kept pointing to Leah, uh, and being all, she has her own book, look, and I would take Leah on the offbeat down from my shelf, and <laughs> everyone would get really annoyed with me. Uh, <laughs> I just have this perfect image of you doing that while everybody's watching a movie. You're like, hey, but there's a book about this other girl in the movie. Oh, <laughs> just, oh I man. am just the worst. Um, 
But it made me think, like, what if we got a companion novel uh, about Baloo? In uh, Simon vs. Home Safe Agenda. Uh, more about his life, uh, everything that was happening behind the email screen. Um, you know, it probably won't happen, uh, but it is nice to daydream uh, about such a book since it does seem like Becky Albertalli is exploring uh, that world a little bit more. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely welcome uh, his story uh, and just his story uh, to see where, where things end up and, or how they got there. Um, I don't know, what about you? My first one, and um, my first one is I'd love to see the story of Jamal in Everything Leads to You by Nina LaCour. He was a a, a relatively small character in the story. He's best friends with the the love interest, and uh, those two became friends because they shared a bus commute. But there's a really pivotal scene in the book where it's Jamal who calls Emmy, the main character, out on something, and it's in that scene that she finally reveals that she is, uh, I want to say quarter native, and I can't remember exactly what she said, but it, it was a, a moment where she was forced to sort of confront the fact that she has this um, identity to her that she's never really explored or never really been open about um, in the same way she has been about her sexuality. And throughout the book, I was just fascinated with Jamal and I wanted more of his story. And um, cause he, he played a big role in getting people to be honest about themselves and to really be forthcoming in a way that um, I hadn't seen in other characters in the novel. And uh, mm-hmm. so I'd love to see a whole book about him. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, and one thing to note about this is that thinking about companion novels is really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, like after I brought it up and we were talking about it, you were like, oh, you're, we're going to do a lot of thinking on this one. And you were right. Cause I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't always remember the ancillary characters, you know, like sometimes they, you forget, you know, sometimes I don't remember the main characters names. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think, I feel like I'm gonna be thinking about this, uh, for a while now when I read books. Um, Let's see, my next one is, uh, I'd love to see a companion novel, possibly multiple companion novels, uh, for the rest of us just live here by Patrick Ness. Uh, I feel like this book is perfectly set up for it. Um, not just one, maybe, maybe two. Um, I've said it before, this is one of my favorite YAs ever. Um, it's about a band of teenagers, uh, living in a world where superheroes are absolutely a thing and they're just trying to live their lives. Uh, what is it like to be a normal person amongst the powerful? You know, they just live here (laughs) as, as you see from the title. Um, but the characters around the main character, Mikey, um, they all have these potential stories of their own, especially, uh, his one close friend who has, um, just a little bit of superpowers. Um, he can talk to cats and is worshipped by them, which kind of sounds like the dream superpower to me. <laughs> um, but, you know, what is it like to almost be a superhero, uh, but not quite? And I feel like his story would be really interesting. Um, and one of the other brilliant things that this book does is it gives you bits and pieces of the superhero story that's happening in the background uh, in small paragraphs before every chapter where we hang out with the regular kids. Uh, and I thought maybe an, a book about the actual superhero saga that's been happening would be mm. really interesting, like to take out those paragraphs and expand them into the books because they're it is an interesting story. Um, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of room there. I'd love to uh, I'd love to see something like that happen. So my next one is um, this one came to after I struggled for a long time to think about this because it was a tough question. Um, this one came to me right away after I stepped away and stopped thinking about it. Uh, I'd love a companion novel 
from Abigail's perspective in The Lake Effect by Erin McCahan. And I know I've talked about this book before, but... Uh, yeah, you love that book. I do. And seeing that I just came from uh, the beach that was not far from where the book was set, like it's been on my mind a little bit. And uh, so the book itself is about this boy named Briggs, who during the summer he takes this job helping an older woman in a uh, Michigan lake t- lakeside town. And it's a tourist attraction. And his job is to help this elderly woman get around town and do tasks for her. And um, anyway, he meets this girl who lives next door named Abigail. And she's kind of weird, like not in a manic pixie dream girl kind of way weird, but just like she will show up and she's very blunt. She's very, um, I don't want to say she's combative, but she's not, she's not a quote unquote likable girl. And uh, yet he's like super intrigued by her because sometimes she just disappears And uh, you come to find out over the course of the book that part of the reason she disappears is she's struggling with Crohn's disease. So uh, for her, this is just like part of life. Like sometimes she just ducks out for a bit and has to take care of her health. Um, I love her story. Like I want to know more about like how she lives with this. And I want to know more about like how she becomes the person she is. How, you know, how does she feel about the way people treat her? You know, like is her sort of... Uh, take on life because she's had to develop a protective shell or is it just like has she always been that way and um i feel like there's a lot of questions that could be explored there um so yeah that's uh abigail from the lake effect by erin mccahan Ah, mm-hmm. uh, so for me um so i know we already have companions to uh the novel <laughs> shipbreaker um, I love Shipbreaker with um, the books Drowned Cities and Tool of War, but I I didn't like the character of Tool, really. Um, I know there are people listening that are going to be mad at me for that, um, but I feel like there's a more interesting story than Tool's. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so in Shipbreaker, we meet a teen who is you know living his life by stripping down and breaking down pieces of derelict boats, um, which is actually a real thing, uh, but in a violent future um, in a community that's full of uh, abuse and death. Uh, his name is Naylor. Um, however, uh, one day, a ship belonging to a wealthy, affluent member of the upper class uh, crashes uh, near his community, and he's torn. Um, he can strip the ship uh, and potentially make his life a modicum bit better, like it's not going to get much better. Um, or he can save the survivor, who he's sort of becoming a little smitten with. Uh, and that's who I want a companion novel for, for Nita. Uh, I want to see what her life is like, what her society is like. Um, You know, like, she comes into this world and and starts to discover uh, how poorly treated, uh, you know, Naylor and his people are. You know, what it's like to, you know, not be rich and affluent like she is. Um, And, yeah, I would just love to see what her world is like a little bit more than, I don't know, Tool, the the half-man, half-monster guy that goes on through Drowned Cities and everything. Um, so yeah, that is that is my controversial uh, companion <laughs> opinion uh, when it comes to Shipbreaker. <laughs> my, uh, my last one is uh, a really recent one. I'd love to see a companion novel from the point of view of Xavier, who is the twin brother of Ciamara in The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Um, so we get Ciamara's story and her coming of age in this um, family that's very religious. And, uh, one of the things that she reveals is that her brother had been sort of acting off and she couldn't figure out what was going on. Well, she discovers that her brother is gay and he's sort of trying to figure out how to navigate his sexuality while living in this household where his mother is super religious. So he doesn't 
you know, he doesn't want to come out. And also, like, um, he is just trying to figure out what this means for him on, in the social world, too. Um, Ziomara's story was awesome. I loved her. And I loved her enough that I feel like getting her perspective from her brother as he navigates his own journey would be really interesting, too. Like, uh, this book was, like, made, sort of, for a companion because you have twins who are both experiencing this common household experience but living very different lives at school um so i think there's a lot there there's a lot there and there's a lot there that can be done too in terms of form uh since the poet x is in verse be cool to see uh xavier's story in verse too but it also work as like a normal you know prose novel um yeah that's i I keep thinking about that now it's like i want that i want that to happen (laughs) um yeah um, and my last one, um, this one's a lot like Patrick Ness's in terms of the potential for companion spinoffs, um, and that is Mirror in the Sky by Didi Karana. Um, and it would mean an Indian girl who is, like, wrestling with her identity and, and finding a sense of place in her mostly white town, um, until a parallel Mirror Earth is found across the universe, where, um, scientists are detecting, uh, everything is mostly the same, with a few minor differences. Um, this sends humanity into a massive existential crisis uh and now suddenly everyone feels a bit out of place um and i would love to see a companion novel about uh that other planet and what the mirror version of herself is experiencing Mm. what is it like for her yeah what are the differences she experiences um what little ways is her life different um I feel like that would be really cool. Um, yeah. You know, I bet they could do something cool with the cover, where the cover is like a mirror of the other cover. Um, <laughs> Raz- Razor Bill, if you want to hire me to work on this part-time, <laughs> we, can, we can discuss. Um, and then there's also another subplot in the novel about how her mom runs off to join a cult uh, who is obsessed with the mirror world. Uh, and it gets explored a little bit in terms of getting updates about what's going on there. But I feel like a novel set... Uh, in that cult would be really interesting, um, especially considering those spoilers, what happens there. Maybe there's a teen girl uh, mm. who's trapped in that cult. Um, I feel like there's something something in that. Uh, and, you know, a YA novel with sci-fi elements talking about a cult. Uh, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> um, so speaking of companions... <laughs> We are very good uh, at this. We are so good at this. Um, we're not going to get to how this is a companion just yet, but we wanted to try something out here at HeyYA. So we're going to wrap up the show talking a little bit about an experiment we wanted to try. And that experiment is we want to have a book club, but it won't be like a traditional book club. This will be the HeyYA Take on Book Club, which means we read one book. Anybody can join in. And then we will dedicate the last 20 minutes of the episode that runs on August 8th to um, talking about the book. We'll, we'll do it in the last half of the show. So listeners who don't take part or aren't interested can listen to the first part of the show and then, you know, buzz out at the part where we get to the, the book club. So, um, so do you want to do like a drum roll for what book we're going to do? Yes. Okay. Uh, oh, how do I do it? Uh Perfect, perfect. <laughs> uh, we're going to read Tyrell by Co Booth. Um, so if you want to join us in reading it, you can grab it as soon as you hear this podcast and just read it by the 8th of August. So that gives you over a month. It's a relatively short book, 
came out a little over 10 years ago, and yet it's still a book that I have heard so many people rave about and continue to rave about, and I'm sort of ashamed I haven't read it yet. Uh, and here's where the companion part comes in. It's the first book in a trilogy of related companion books, and I read the the very final book in the, the um, series called Bronxwood, read it without reading uh, Tyrell or Kendra, the other book, uh, and it stood alone perfectly fine. But uh, when I read it, I, I made note, like, oh, I need to go back and read Tyrell. I need to go back and read Tyrell. And here we are many years later, and I still haven't read it. So uh, we thought it would be fun to to do that as a as a segment on the show. What are you thinking? No, that sounds awesome. Uh, you know, in terms of YA, I feel like you're always the more more well-read and well-versed uh, part of the podcast on on books like this. So I haven't read this either. So it's going to be it's going to be fun to discover something together. Yeah, and uh, I'll read the description straight from the the publisher's little blurb, so listeners can kind of get an idea of what it's about um, and decide whether they want to pick it up. And uh, so Tyrell is a young African American teen who can't get a break. He's living for now with his spaced out mother and little brother in a homeless shelter. His father's in jail. His girlfriend supports him, but he doesn't feel good enough for her and seems to be always on the verge of doing the wrong thing around her. There's another girl at the homeless shelter who is also after him, although the desires there are complicated. Tyrell feels the need to score some money to make things better, but will he end up following in his father's footsteps? Um, and it's by Co Booth, who is a big name in YA, and uh, so I'm I'm really excited about this, and I hope uh, listeners out there are excited too. And um, we will we'll read it, and then we'll spend 20 minutes on the August 8th episode to talk about what we thought about it. Um, what it might look like if it were published today. Um, yeah, and sort of make it a discussion that hopefully listeners find as interesting as we do. <laughs> <laughs> a it's great always, experiment. Always, yeah, it is a great experiment, you know, and it's one of those things that's like, worst case, you and I, Eric, we got to read a great book, right? Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, grab a copy of Tyrell. You can probably get it at the library real easily. If not, um, it is available at any retailer that sells books so um i think that brings us to the end of our show uh, it does so thank you all for tuning in this week uh if you have any feedback please leave it on apple podcasts let us know how we're doing and when you do that you help other people find us thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible you can follow me kelly jensen on twitter and instagram as veronica kelly mars and you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.